You're listening to Something Real with Pastor Rich Zeiger and Stacy Cozio, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. Thanks for joining us. See, I stand panic. See, we're panicking. Yeah, panic Welcome to Panic Station. Being frightened is a, is a, you know, that's a thing. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. We are talking. <laughs> on all three of on our On all three platforms. platforms. That's Yee. magical and wonderful. A little rusty. Amazing. It's been a while. <laughs> that seems to be one of our major themes here as, yeah. as we go through. But, so Sorry, anyway, yeah, proceed. I was listen, listening to Rob Nash's sermon uh, from uh, Converge. Um he preached at Sawyer Highlands and then went down and preached at Converge. And, and so I caught, I was listening to the whole thing. I caught the end of it this morning as I was coming in. And it's astonishing to me how God continues to, to just bring things together. The number of times that somebody will, will come and say, man, that sermon was exactly what I needed to hear. I'm like, I had no idea how that it's, this would relate to, you know, your thing at all. Right. Uh, and this, so I sent you the message I got from one mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm. It was like, this was fantastic. Who knew that right. numbers 28 and 29 would be connecting with people right. who probably have never read that book before right. in a way that. Or just, you know, brush by it like, yeah, oh, this isn't important. So Rob's and Matthew talking about, uh, you know, talking about the Sabbath and Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath and, and you know, finished the sermon in Colossians uh, 2. And I'm like, hey, that sounds very familiar. We just did this Sunday right. from numbers. So, um, even when we don't have a plan or don't know what the plan is, the Lord always knows what he's doing. And, um, and that, you know, I think that, un, I don't know, I was going to say unrelated, but I think I just established that nothing is unrelated. So, right. Um, right. Everything's connected. Unrelated to anything that I am thinking about consciously. Um, I think it's, it's really important for us to recognize that, that, mm-hmm. that when we don't get it, God still does get it. God, God has always gotten it. It's been his plan. He and it happens a lot where we don't get it. Well, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, we have so many unknown things that can cause us to be overwhelmed and fill us with anxiety. I got, you know, a, a several different text messages already this morning that uh, left me thinking, okay, I have no clue what to do here. This, you know, people that are, are lacking hope in, in specific situations and I can't fix it. I can't do anything uh, to try to, to make that better. <clears throat> but there's never at any point been a time when God wasn't already in control of that. <clears throat> he He's working all things according to his definite, specific, eternal, sovereign, wise plan. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the things that, that we hate, that we, you know, and, and we've obviously talked a lot about things that we hate. I hate a lot of things. Uh, things that, that are just not, not right. Um, it didn't surprise God. Right. He he could stop the horrible things that, that we hate, and he doesn't. Why? I don't know. I don't know. But he does. It's part of his plan, working things out for our eternal good and his eternal glory. And and we have a tendency to only see things in the short term. Sure. And when, when I say short term, I don't just mean, I mean, we do, like in the moment today, this is the, the thing. But this lifetime is the short term. You know, eternity is really long, and so right. the, God is because God is seeing a much bigger picture. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. We we don't have much of a choice right. uh, in our natural selves, but the Lord gives us a spiritual perspective, a spiritual self that, that we can look beyond uh, what is natural to us. Right. Anyhow. Well. <clears throat> excuse me. Take so don't stop believing. 
So, so <laughs> moral of the story: which wasn't don't stop believing. Did we ever do one? Don't stop believing. We we did. Oh, I changed the words. Remember? Did we? Did we actually do the whole thing mm-hmm. or, in okay. the old building? Okay, I remember. I remember. I changed the words. You asked me. To I remember change you the words working like the day on before. That. <laughs> yeah. Like, do we oh, do okay. the whole thing or do we just like do the chorus and the piece? No, we definitely did a verse because I remember, I don't know, irrelevant, but we did that. I remember doing. Um, and we did a Boston song too, but now I forget which one that was. Um, we did Peace of Mind from Boston. Yeah, Peace of Mind. We did. Um, <laughs> we've done a lot of songs that are not really normal. We did a Johnny Cash church. song. What, what we don't tend to do is the really cool new songs that, that are hip. And, are they you know, cool? So, <laughs> although we did do Bruno Mars. Um, a couple of times, actually, the, uh, what is it, the Count on Me oh, thing. But see, even um, that, like, that's like, what, 10, 15 it, it, years well, old? Well, it was probably 10, 15 years old. <laughs> uh, you know, we haven't done that in a while. I Those turned on the radio today, and I just don't know what's happening. When we did, so, well, like, on our 10th anniversary as a church, we did uh, <clears throat> uh, BTO's um, You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Oh, nice. You know, the, were you here for that one yet? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that was early. Um, you know, we've done... Uh, Stone Satisfaction a couple of times. We did um, uh, Johnny Cash. Yeah. God's going to cut you down. Yeah, that was that used to be kind of a staple for us at a couple of places. Uh, I could That'd see, be good for Numbers 32. I could see that one coming back. <laughs> I could see that coming back. Um, there, there are a few like, well, I mean, long before you got here, you were, let's see, you might have still been in high school at the time. Uh, Just yeah, a baby. Probably were. It was like 100 years ago. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm being reminded regularly of how very long ago the things that I think were yesterday yeah. actually were. I think the 90s but, were like 10 <clears throat> years ago. We actually did one of my least favorite songs. Beautiful song, horrible song, uh, John Lennon's Imagine. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was part of the, uh, it was actually separate from, the, it was a message point, but it was separate from the sermon mm. uh, related to some some contemporary things that were happening in our community mm. at the time. And uh, I don't know if I would necessarily do that again, but I, I think one of the things that, that we established as our, um, if I could say philosophy of worship or philosophy of ministry for, for Sunday mornings, I don't know if that's the best way of saying it, but it's out there now. Um, the internet <clears throat> is that, you know, when it comes to our music, we're not going to have a lot of prescriptive rules. We don't have a, you know, we don't live by a specific regulative principle, Um, but we do, we do recognize our our approach is more what folks might refer to as a normative principle. Um, We see what happens in scripture. And if it's not forbidden by scripture, then we we feel a certain um, liberty to, to be able to do it as long as it's moving us in the same direction Mm -hmm. uh, that, that the scripture requires. And so um, if, we don't have, you know, it's not like we're tied to a particular form of music sure. or we're only going to do these songs. We're never going to do these songs. And uh, if it if it carries us forward, if it promotes a, a reverent love of Christ, if it helps the people in the congregation be able to connect with the mm-hmm. message from the from the sermon and the text, then and sometimes we'll do it. I mean, for me personally, I've, that's happened a lot to me where I'll listen to a. a contemporary song with kind of a new meaning. Um, yeah. You know. you, I, I, in fact, I think I still have texts on my phone from you about, <laughs> I like, never thought of right, this right. song and I just heard this 
whatever it was from right. from an artist who probably has right. no concept right, right, of this right. at all. But when you change your perspective on things, that's <clears throat> it's kind of impossible not to hear yeah. things that way. So it's I'm I'm glad that we talked about that for a minute because that was going to be my kind of first little input here. Nice. Um, so it was a good segue. What we, a professional we planned you that. are. Um, the home of professional <laughs> podcasting. Because we did. I sip my Black Rifle coffee. America. Um, because we did, I mean, the, the title of Sunday's sermon was The Heart of Worship. So surprise, surprise, we did that yeah. song. Um, and we've done that song a billion times. But when when I sat down to think about and you told me to think of questions and things last night as I was laying in bed, I was like, hmm. um, I think about the lyrics to that song because I like music a little bit. And it, it's always kind of struck me the words to that song suggesting that the heart of worship might not be always what we put out there. Like mm, I'm very, yeah. I'm very aware on Sunday mornings to the point where it's bothered me before that it's easy for me to get caught up in like, this doesn't sound good, or I want to do things sure, this yeah. way, or I want to put on a good quote unquote show because, you know, that's just the musician in me or whatever. And I have to try very hard sometimes to let go of that. And I've gotten better at that over the years. It just, you know, that's why I sob openly sometimes while I'm on stage, because I am allowing myself to just get lost in it. But not always easy no, to, to let yourself go. There no, either. it's not. But I think that as a whole, when we think of worship in the modern church or, you know, even on our own, when we're, you know, you'll hear people say like, oh, I was worshiping in my car, listening to this song. And well, that's great. I, that's wonderful. But it's got to be like this. I know I'm forgetting who sings the song, who sings Heart of Worship. Matt Redman. Matt Redman. Yeah. When he says, I'm sorry for the thing I've made it. Mm. And that's like, ouch, because I do kind of make it a, a thing that's maybe more about me than God more often than not, because I'm like, man, this really speaks to me yeah. and I should be just giving it all to God. So I think when we think of worship and then you contrast it with what these people were going, God's people were going through in numbers and how different we see it today as to what it was back then, like yeah. what's the intersect and where can we find like a happy medium of not, sacrificing animals <laughs> well, to, to show I mean, our worship, I our think, offering. I think you really hit a lot of like when Matt Redman wrote the song, if I had the story correct, basically um, kind of felt like they were getting caught up in yeah. exactly what you're saying, the musicality of things. So they stripped the whole service down mm -hmm. and they just said, that's it. We're not, I, I think, I think they only had the guitar mm -hmm. and they got rid of everything else just for the whole service. We're, we're not doing all this cool stuff. And so wrote that song as, as part of it because it had become kind of, if I can, like a show. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that that cool factor, and boy, how much do we see that today? There's, mm -hmm. there's so much going on. And I want to say in the mega churches, mostly because they have more resources and budget. I think sometimes we use that label as a pejorative term. And, and I, I don't know that that's appropriate, but so much of, of what we see in modern worship ends up being, you know, we're going to, we're going to have a smoke and light show and, and all these kinds of things and the cool pastor and, and, you know, 
we want to we want to be relatable. We right. want to connect with everybody. And we miss out on what worship actually is intended to be it, it, in the heart of worship. That um, it, this what we see in this couple of chapters here in Numbers, Numbers twenty eight and twenty nine is really easy for us to to just dismiss mm -hmm. like that's that's uncomfortable that doesn't fit with us we don't connect with it and i think that tendency in us that that um it, it's almost like a, a, a like we put up a wall because it, it doesn't fit we do that on on sunday mornings a lot of the time where it's like oh man that song that old hymn or right. whatever else um, i just i don't like that tune or i don't like the way that sounds <clears throat> and I struggle with that mm -hmm. myself with songs, you know, that I'm, I'm picking. So just a little insight into our processes is we'll go through and, and I'll work with Shelly, our music director, who also happens to be my lovely bride. Uh, and so as we're going through this, um, I either pick or, or have the final say in the songs because of the fact that, that we're trying to make them all connect to the sermon that we're carrying along the theme from the text. Mm -hmm. And so there'll be, old hymns that, that will come to mind and it's like, well, that's just like actually quoting it. Right. But I don't really like that. Too. Right. That one always drove me crazy. And so, you know, it, it's hard sometimes to separate our, um, our aversion to certain things so that we can let God speak to our hearts. Mm -hmm. That can be a, a tough thing. And I think that's the same thing when we're going through, um, law sections in, in the Old Testament or narratives that just don't hit. We're going to have this a lot for the rest of the book of Numbers. We're going to, including this coming week, as we talk about uh, vows and authority, and, and then we'll, you know, we'll be talking about the inheritance and the land and, and uh, God's vengeance against those who led Israel to sin. We've got all these things coming up that are going to just be really uncomfortable. And, and I think some of those things, um, we're not, I think we're not meant to relate to comfortably. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we're going to ever get that until we are completely submitted to the Lord as far as, Lord, Lord you do what you want to do. You say what you want to say. Uh, and I I just hate hearing it. That's that's a hard thing. Um, that, and I think this picture that we have here is, like you said, there, there's, there's what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And we need to see what they're dealing with to be able to get to the principles because obviously we're not being brought into the promised land. We're not having these uh, animal sacrifices. We're, we don't have the, the festivals the same way as, as Christians, even uh, honestly, even Jews today don't do the same things the right. same way. Right. They don't have animal sacrifices and haven't since the temple was destroyed in 8070. And so um, how do we, how do we take what God put in here, find the eternal principles and then right. bring it forward. And, and so that's what, when, when, we're looking at the text and we see the core reality of, of what God's saying in these two chapters is that God's people build their lives around worship that reflects his nature and our need. Well, that, that's a principle. That's a, sure. that's a big thing that we can kind of build on. We can look at it and say, okay, Lord, uh, what is it that I need to do in, in, in the sacred, in the sacred things, the, the, the gathering, the personal time with God, prayer, how do I build my life in such a way that that the worship of the living God is at the center of it. Mm -hmm. So that everything that I'm doing, <clears throat> we were praying about this at, at prayer meeting Sunday night. If if I get a job, mm -hmm. how is this job meant to be worshipped? How is this how is my job 
helping or should be helping to focus me on God? How do I use this to minister for God? Uh, whatever it is, when I'm sweeping the floor or, or interacting with neighbors or pumping gas, how is, how is the Lord at the center of all that I'm doing? And that's what the offerings and festivals, and, and I mean, we saw this at the beginning of the book of Numbers too, even in the census, everything is designed to orient and order and structure the, the lives of God's people around him at the center. And I think when you start to view worship that way and not necessarily as some kind of ritualistic thing or special moment thing, mm-hmm. it becomes easier. And I'm going to try to read this because <laughs> of our first point. Yeah. True worship recognizes that we always belong to the Lord. It was one of the principles that you talked about. So that's literally, like you said, always like, yeah, yeah. you know, when you're at the gas station or when you're doing your job or whatever. Right. And if you, if you, plant that idea inside of you, then worship comes out. Yeah. So in no the first part of the of, of chapter 28, God's uh, calling them to this daily offering. And none of this is new. He's already talked about all this. He's he's reiterating this for the new generation as they're about to enter into the promised land. And and this, the, the daily sacrifices, it's morning and it's mm-hmm. evening and you're sacrificing uh, to, to focus your hearts and worship on the fact that every hour of every day, you belong to the Lord. Mm-hmm. It's a constant thing. And so the worship uh, is designed to, to focus their lives, to build their lives around it. This is the, the center of everything that you're doing. Whatever else you've got going on, it's not a matter of, well, I'm too busy to go to church. No, it's, it's we do this mm-hmm. now, every day. It's a priority. And that's something I think it's hard for us to relate to. Yes. But this principle behind it that, that, if we're going to truly worship God, then we need to, at the heart of that, recognize it's more than a song. Right. It, it's a life given to Him. Right. And so uh, that we had two songs. We had two songs this week titled "Offering." Yeah. <laughs> and and when you think I about, I was really reluctant to do that, but they said kind of two different things sure. for two different places. It's hard when, you're, when we were filing music away to say, "Oh, yeah, right, get, get it right." <laughs> but you know, then you look at the text again, and what what. <laughs> the people then were offering is seems so different yeah. than what we could possibly like. I'm not going to go burn up a pigeon, but um, I, I might. I might. Uh, <laughs> you do have cats. What? Am I going to burn up my cat? No, the cats will eat your pigeons. Oh, I, I've never seen a pigeon in real life, to be honest with you. Have you ever seen a pigeon? Where have you seen hundreds pigeons? and hundreds? Where have of you pigeons. seen pigeons at the farm here? every single day? I've seen doves. Real doves right? or turtle doves? Maybe I'm confusing doves and pigeons. They're related. I'm thinking of pigeons as like the New York they're in the dirty family. looking ones with like the great, like the, the, the dirty looking ones because they're in New York, but you know. <laughs> that build like a con- nest with like two sticks. Country pigeons. So they're clean. But do they still build nests with like two sticks? I've heard pigeons build horrible nests. They like, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> they mostly build nests, of, you know, they try to burn up in a barn and then poop all over I your head. I ain't going to burn up so. any pigeons. No. But anyway, I ain't going to burn up cats or pigeons. No, anyway. but our mutual cousin around Schmidt used to come and shoot pigeons at the farm and then make pigeon pie. And so that was, that was the thing. Not a sacrifice, but a meal. I never had it. I wouldn't partake. Apparently. Wouldn't partake of the not pe- surprisingly, pigeon pie. It, it tastes like pigeon. I like chicken. And of course it tastes like pigeon. So it tastes, anyway. Not surprisingly, it tastes like pigeon. Uh, Isn't that a little yeah. gamey? Um, anyway. Never seen how a do pigeon. We- I don't recall seeing pigeons. <laughs> I remember being at my grandma's and there used to be morning doves there. And I used to love yep. to watch the morning doves, morning doves yeah. but they weren't pigeons. They're related. Yep. Anyway, 
They're, they're all in the same family. Well, that birds that, is dirty. That it's a different. <laughs> my sister will agree with that for sure. Uh, she hates birds. The uh, that it's so much different. We don't. Yes. We don't really connect. So we're with not that sacrificing so things, but. So what am I offering to like on a regular basis? And then that basis? logically led to I'm not burning a pigeon. I, I don't <laughs> I'm going to get really... a t-shirt that says, our next batch of real life t-shirts says I ain't burning a pigeon. Oh, um, gracious. Look for it at our online store. Did we have rails? Because I think we're off them. <laughs> it's because I haven't been here in like two weeks. Um, anywho. <laughs> it's already better than it was last week without you. I'll just so tell you So I'm wondering, like, what could I possibly offer today in, in true worship that would somehow be pleasing to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think about things, like you just said, making sacrifices. And that doesn't necessarily mean like these big major sacrifices. It can mean like, I think you had another point here, uh, true worship structures our routine around the Lord. Mm-hmm. Making God and and worship and and prayer a regular part of my daily routine can often feel like a sacrifice because I'm just talking about before the podcast, I'm so busy. I'm so swamped with work right now. And it'd be so easy for me to wake up in the morning and make coffee and just, you know, dive into my work and just ignore my devotional time or ignore getting into the Bible or ignore whatever. But by making God a part of that routine and by making worship part of that routine, it doesn't seem like you're making a sacrifice, but in today's, you know, ridiculously busy world, it can be. And, and taking the time to actually stop mm. and focus on that, I think can be a big deal for some people. There's a great 20th century thinker, um, this British guy, Sir Elton John, who, uh, he just finished his last concert, who, who I think without knowing it really captured the essence of, of worship talking about the fact that it it's no sacrifice mm. to give up these things in a relationship that is rooted in love because right. what you gain from it yes. is so much greater than what you're giving up. And while Elton John doesn't get what we're talking about necessarily, that principle that he's talking about, which Bernie Taupin wrote the lyrics, but anyway, the, as you see the, as you see that idea, the best sacrifice, the, the the one that pleases God, is the one that realizes this really isn't a sacrifice. Because sure. everything I have comes from Him. Sure. He owns everything. He owns me. My life is His. And so, uh, Romans twelve one, after Paul's laid out the human condition and the um, the nature of the gospel, the good news that we can be saved through faith in in Jesus Christ, um, entirely by God's grace, entirely of God's doing. Then he starts chapter twelve. Uh, therefore, in in view of God's mercy, in, in light of everything that he's done for us, the only logical, reasonable, spiritual act of worship is to make our own selves, our bodies, a living sacrifice mm-hmm. so that every part of me is on the altar. Mm-hmm. So God's not, and, and, and that's exactly what the Lord said to Israel through the prophets. Uh, and And even... You know, even as he's giving the law, he's giving the law these prescriptive things um, to shape the hearts of his people and, and and to bring their mind into realizing who he is. What's he like? What's his nature? And and, and who am I? And, and what is the nature of my sin and myself? And, and how do I relate those things? And all of the law is given to, to do that. And it points forward to Christ. Um, but Paul's point in, in, in Romans 12 is that all of this stuff is 
is just, well, it's also what he says in Colossians. It, this is just the shadow. Mm. Christ is the substance. This is the reality that, that um, it was never really about the sacrifices. Mm -hmm. It was about giving our whole selves to God. And they were a means to communicate that both to God and to ourselves. Uh, I was just listening to, uh, 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 listen to a lot of sermons and podcasts when I'm doing other things. And, and uh, it was Tony Evans I was listening to. He was talking about the tithe and, and, uh, and in, uh, it's either Micah or Malachi. Sometimes when I'm not looking at it, I get it confused in my mind. I want to say it was Micah. Um, no, it was Malachi. doesn't matter right now. That's not the point. But uh, as... Keep going back and forth. <laughs> it, it was Malachi. As, uh, as uh, God is, is, is bringing his complaints against Israel and, and uh, he says, will a man rob God? And I'm like, well, how, how have we robbed you? He said, in tithes and offerings. Mm. God never needed the money. In right. fact, he says very clearly in the Psalms, uh, he says it repeatedly, but very specifically uh, in one particular place where he says, if I were hungry, would I tell you? How are you going to help me? I, I don't need this stuff. David says in Psalm 51, you know, uh, it's not that the sacrifices that you're looking for. It's a broken and contrite heart that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. and, and so God's always been saying that. It, 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 as he deals with, uh, his people through the prophets, it's like, get your sacrifices out of here. You're doing all this stuff, right? You're, you're, you're offering, uh, the, the burnt offerings, uh, you know, that's supposed to be an aroma pleasing to the Lord. You're but essentially doing everything right. You're doing all the, all right. the checks, all right. the, all the boxes. You're, you're keeping the letter of the law, but it smells like death to me. This is horrible. I hate your worship because it's checking boxes, but your heart's disengaged from it. He says in Isaiah, he starts out the, the uh, Isaiah's prophecy um, to say, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Right. And all of these sacrifices can become idols to yeah. us. The way we do worship in church can become an idol to us. And one of the things that I think um, is maybe not damning, but it's at least telling is when we go to look for a church, you know, we change locations, we move, you know, to a different city or whatever else, and we have to uh, go and find a church. Very often what we're looking for is not so much where is the word preached most soundly, where can we have uh, the uncomfortable real relationships that the New Testament calls us to, but what feels right. What, mm -hmm. what you know, and in the church building that we're sitting in right now, uh, when I first uh, started coming back to this area, way back a million years ago uh, when dinosaurs roamed the earth. So anyway, uh, as we, we only have a couple minutes left. <laughs> as, when we came, this building felt comfortable to me mm. because it was the same physical design as sure. the church that I grew up in. And so it was, it was similar. We, we didn't end up coming here because we didn't think they had a need for us at that point, uh, as far as ministry went. But, um, but I was judging wrongly. Hmm. Not, not that I wasn't looking for sound teaching. I was, but my the first gauge, my my initial response is, how does the worship feel to me? How does this feel to me? And and we think that uh, that this is about uh, about our emotional experience. And if it right. isn't this this right kind of emotional experience, the way we want it to be. Uh, then it just doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. and, and so we have people, especially in our day, I think, um, you know, we've, 
we are so far from the magisterial state church of, of yesteryear that, uh, it, especially here in America, that uh, you know we don't understand the the obligation to the people around us to go to church. And so, if we don't like things, we just go shopping somewhere else. You know, the way we sure. go to a store. Uh, rather than entering into a covenant relationship where we're committed to a family. Uh, and that's really not the, the heart of worship, of what true worship is about. Or we peace out when we're not personally feeling yeah. like, like it's not always easy to like wave your hands in the air and, and offer worship when your life feels like it's falling apart. But that's the point. That's yeah. when you need to be doing it. I say to myself as my life is falling apart. Well, like I mean, I've been. Well, we myself, had that conversation yeah. recently about you know not to go into detail, but you were having a real struggle. You were going through some difficult times, and, and you're like, I don't, <laughs> right. I don't know if I should be on stage. Right. You know, well, yeah, I, I don't I want to be faking it, it right? right? And, and so we had that conversation about you, you need. This is when you need to be here. So right. you need to be in church, not faking it, not putting on a face and for other people. And there was mass weeping that day. Yeah, well, right. So <laughs> you know that's part of what worship is supposed to be. There should be. A, we've talked about this even with songwriting or, or writing in general. I gotta bleed a little bit. Yeah. There, there's got to be you know real uh, heart engagement, some skin in the game. Sure. And worship is absolutely supposed to be that. You know that's. I don't really, uh, <laughs> I try not to, I fail very often. I, you know, I'll lose it in church, man. Uh, there was an unexpected moment a couple weeks ago when I said something and I looked out and I saw somebody that, you know, m- made eye contact and that thing connected in a new way. And I just almost couldn't finish the sermon, you know, or, or we'll be singing songs and, and I'm just overcome and I can't finish singing. Yeah. And, and so, and I said to you, well, if you're going to be doing it in the pew, you might as well do it up, right, up in front right. of people. And because the reality is we need to. Sure. We, we need to engage. The the true heart of worship, there is discipline to it, and there is, uh, but there's a priority of engaging our heart with the Lord in a way that builds our lives around him. Okay, we will stop there. I'm sorry for the podcast listeners that we ran out of time when we're kind of cutting off short, but thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time.